Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, in recent years, social and political activism in sports has been met with pushback among fans. But the new book, A Whole Athlete Makes the Whole World Better, argues we need more of it, not less. Also this morning, Senator Sherrod Brown discusses his effort to enact stronger trade policies against China in the areas of renewable energy and agriculture. With the postseason tournament approaching, the Trojans will face a pair of tough opponents this weekend. Findlay head coach Jim Rookie gives us a preview and a special collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen for the Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, and Mardi Gras. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, February 9th, 2024. Today, did you know is uh, Pizza Day, National Pizza Pie Day. And with Valentine's Day, with that and with Valentine's Day right around the corner, I saw this uh, story, if you need to passively, aggressively dump your significant other before Valentine's Day, Pizza Hut has you covered. (laughs) Um, This coming Tuesday, which is known as Red Tuesday, for its popularity as a date for couples to split... Before Valentine's Day, the restaurant um, kicked off a heartbreaking inducing promotion offered to customers in select cities Uh, from this past Tuesday through Valentine's Day. People in New York, Chicago and Miami can order a goodbye pie and have it sent to their soon to be ex. It says here the delivery driver will deliver the bad news in the best way possible, with a pizza. (laughs) Customers can send Pizza Hut's new hot honey pizza in a custom box with space for a brief personal message and uh, space on the box for the sender's name. I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of clever, right? And it's humorous. But how would you like to be the delivery driver who has to deliver that news, you know? I... I'm not sure that I would want to be a Pizza Hut delivery driver who would have to uh, share that that bad news. You know what I mean? That would that would really suck. That's by the way, uh, Valentine's Day coming up on uh, Wednesday. With that in mind, the financial wonks at Wallet Hub have taken a deep dive into the best places to celebrate with that special someone this year. Um. Metrics included the number of florists per capita, the most sites for a romantic date, and the average cost of dinner at a nice restaurant. And the top of the list, the best places to celebrate Valentine's Day, San Francisco, California, which I would imagine did not score too high on the affordability factor. But uh, yeah, San Francisco, number one, Seattle, number two, followed by San Diego, Portland and Las Vegas, the top five places to celebrate Valentine's Day, according to Wallet Hub. The cheapest place for a romantic dinner was Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs> so if that's most important to you, Gilbert, Arizona is your place. The most expensive dinner, uh, Hialeah, Florida. Um But wherever they happen to mark the day, Wallet Hub says Americans are spending this year. The average lovebird will spend $186 on Valentine's Day. 
Uh, 46% say inflation is putting a crimp in their Valentine's Day plans. But uh, we're spending anyway, $186 on average. So I don't know what you've spent for Valentine's Day, but that's your benchmark, $186. Anything below that, you've gone on the cheap end. Anything above that, you've gone all out and you should be proud of yourself. By the way, the uh, top Ohio city as uh, in that list of best cities to celebrate Valentine's Day, Cincinnati at number 36. So if you're looking to stay a little closer to home, um, Super Bowl Sunday, and that's the other big event. Obviously, we know the Super Bowl is uh, this weekend between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. 112 million people plan to throw or attend a Super Bowl party, 112.2 million to be exact. 16.2 million will take in the game at a bar or restaurant. So that's a lot of people uh, at a lot of gatherings. Um, Total spending for the Super Bowl, according to the National Retail Federation, for food, drinks, decorations, and Super Bowl swag is expected to hit a record of $17.3 billion, which works out to an average of $86 per person. 80% of that spending will be on food and drink. Uh, and then it says 44% of uh, those who the NRF polled say the game is the most important part of Super Bowl Sunday. 19% are tuning in for the halftime show. 18% are watching just for the commercials. So, the game within the game, the advertising game. Uh, We were talking about that earlier uh, this week. And on Monday, by the way, we're going to recap the uh, Spot Bowl, the game within the game of the uh, advertisers and who has won and lost in that contest. Um, More people are betting on the Super Bowl than ever before. The amount wagered on this year's big game projected to be the largest ever. Experts with a gambling clinic at East Tennessee Tennessee State University says, obviously, it's because more states have legalized gambling in recent uh, months and years. Uh, Let's see here. Obviously, they, you know, offer up the advice. Make sure you don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Set your limit. Uh, Also good to let a friend know what your limit is with the uh, whole accountability thing that can keep people within the boundaries that they set for themselves. A record of over $23 billion expected to be wagered on the title game. That's in addition to the $17.3 billion we're spending on the, t- on the parties. I mean, think about that. I mean, it's just an unreal amount of money. Just crazy. Uh, then, of course, we've got uh, Mardi Gras coming up. Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday is uh, is next week. A shadow, this is big news, a shadow looms over the normally festive carnival season. This Mardi Gras, there is a great crawfish shortage. Crawfish shortage in Louisiana for Mardi Gras. Why is the crawfish supply in trouble? Climate change. They say this summer's high temperatures and lack of rain. Uh, crawfish need wet ground to burrow in, and natural rain helps crawfish populations grow. Drought conditions, on the other hand, 
will kill the crustaceans. As a result, because of the shortage, some grocers are charging fifteen fifty a pound. So, let me cheap to celebrate there. Uh, let's see. And a couple of other items here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is certainly big news, big medical news this morning. A new study involving more than a quarter million men has found a link between ED medications like Viagra and Cialis and a reduced risk of Alzheimer's. <laughs> let me let me repeat that. A link between Viagra and a reduced risk of Alzheimer's. Uh, taking the ED drug was associated with an 18% lower risk of developing Alzheimer's. Even adjusting for factors like age, alcohol intake, tobacco use, etc., those who took Viagra or Cialis showed a significantly reduced risk of developing dementia. These results, according to Dr. Ruth Brower from University College London, conducted the study, these results are encouraging and warrant further research, which is needed to confirm these findings, learn more about the potential benefits and the mechanisms of these drugs as related to Alzheimer's disease. But it is big news. <laughs> that is big news indeed. <clears throat> big news in more ways than one but i digress and uh i thought this was kind of interesting well this is definitely one of those things that makes you go hmm i'll let you chew on this here it appears that claiming membership in the american middle class provides a powerful and affirmative sense of personal and national identity being in the middle class would you consider yourself a middle-class American. I think most of us would. If we were asked, if you were a member of the middle class, that's where most of us would like to be. We don't want to be poor, certainly. We don't want to be necessarily among the 1%, uh, because that has negative connotations to it. We want to be safely ensconced in the middle class. Upper middle class would be nice, but middle class. Um, being middle class is more of a state of mind, a view of the world, or a philosophy than a measure of income or net worth, according to researchers here. And I'm not sure where this uh, comes from. I'm sure this is a university study of some kind. But uh, they say that the concept of middle class is detached from actual financial status. The middle class is a very big club that most Americans want to be a part of, regardless of their economic circumstances, as it is symbolic of a host of positive values and attitudes, which is why many people will claim to be part of the middle class, even if financially they don't fall within the parameters of that definition. Kind of interesting there. Something to chew on. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy today, a high around 60, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 50. 
The Finley Family YMCA has announced that it'll be receiving more than $1.2 million towards construction of the new YMCA Early Childhood Learning Center. The funding is part of a one-time strategic community investment fund included in House Bill 2, which was passed by the Ohio House of Representatives this week. YMCA CEO Stephanie Parsons says the YMCA's new Early Learning Center will be transformational for the community now and for generations to come. Get more in the story on our website. An Ohio sheriff is sounding the alarm over a possible terrorist attack. Butler County Sheriff Richard Jones just returned from a National Sheriff's Association meeting with FBI Director Christopher Wray. Jones says Wray told the group it wasn't a matter of if we're going to be attacked, but when. We were also told by Mr. Wray, the FBI Director, that there are more red flags going off now than before 9-11. Steve Vaughn, ONN. A federal judge is deciding whether Ohio's new social media law will go into effect. This comes after a group representing several social media companies sued the state over a law that required children to get parental consent to use social media apps. The group claims the law violates free speech and is vague. The group representing social media companies has won lawsuits against similar restrictions in California and Arkansas. I'm Yolanda Harris. The city of Finley says the Green Waste site will be open on Saturday from 9 to 3 for one day only. The Green Waste site will then reopen for the season on April 2nd. The Green Waste site is located at 330 North Corey Street behind the Public Works Department building with the entrance near the railroad tracks off North Corey. The Green Waste site is for yard waste disposal such as leaves, brush, limbs, grass and is available to city of Finley residents only at no charge. Get more details in the story on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. You know, in recent years, a number of athletes have made headlines for taking a stand on political and social issues. The trend has become controversial and reaction has not always been kind, but our next guest says we need more of this, not less. Barbara Edelston-Peterson is author of the new book, A Whole Athlete Makes the Whole World Better. Now, Barbara, the basic argument that you make is that athletes are natural role models and as such should embrace that to encourage change where they see injustice. Is that kind of the concept in a nutshell? Uh, Yeah, it's part of it. People look to athletes. Athletes emanate so much goodness. And our world needs more and more goodness. I think um, athletes are exactly the role model that can show people what it is to take care of themselves, but care as much for others in the meantime, and also stand up for inequality, for injustice, for the environment. You refer to this uh, as more than just an opportunity to make a difference. You call it a responsibility. I'm wondering, and, and forgive me for for putting it like this, it almost seems like you're kind of shaming those who don't take a stand if it's a responsibility, not just a an opportunity, if that makes sense. Yes. Well, such a good point. Today, the world is, we're almost at the point of no return. And so many people actually don't recognize that. And not to be Debbie Downer or a gloom and doom person, but... I call it global responsibility and what it means. And I think an athlete is someone who can really 
demonstrate how this works. Global responsibility is someone who is, it means there's little distance today between personal, social, and environmental responsibility. So it means um, really stepping up. I don't think today a champion is someone who has a trophy and who is winning in the, at the highest point in the podium. To me, a champion is someone who steps up and brings other people along to help Okay. others and to help the Yeah, okay, that that's fair, but you can understand why some athletes are uncomfortable in that type of a role. I mean, many have faced significant backlash and paid a pretty heavy price for their activism both in terms of their livelihood and their legacy. Yeah, I don't think um and and my book, A Whole Athlete Makes the Whole World Better, is for athletes at all levels. I don't think everyone has to be um, an outstanding or stand out with their their thoughts, their mm-hmm. feelings, their their care, their whatever it is they feel strongly about. I think there's something to be said for quiet power and just stepping up in however you can to make a difference. Well, that's really all. Um, you yeah. all, you you make a you make an interesting distinction there. Um, you know, talking about athletes at all levels, and that was actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask. Do you do you make a distinction between, say, professional and amateur athletes, or even youth athletes? I mean, I know for a time we saw high school players taking a knee for the national anthem, and I think the general consensus was that most of them were more imitating what they had seen others do as opposed to taking a stand in the sense that they had a full understanding of the issue that they were supposedly taking a stand on. So the distinction, there is no distinction, really. It's more um, a tap on the shoulder here for athletes who are very inspiring, very energized. It's really just care. Be aware of the issues. Care. And do step up in however way you can. So my whole thing was that I lived in a bubble. I cared only really about myself and my sport and the challenges involved with that. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that there was there were so many challenges out there in the world, I was completely ashamed. And I thought, well, how fast can I change? How fast can I change? And what's the message that I can relay to all people? Um, a whole athlete makes the whole world better is my second book. The first one is a whole person makes the whole world better. And basically again, it's just shifting your concept to caring as much about yourself and in your sport and your success as the success outside of yourself, which means well-being. Yeah. Um, well, let me turn this around a little bit and uh, ask this. What is the message to those who say that athletes should just be athletes, not politicians or whatever? We we pay to watch athletes perform on the field, not preach or lecture to us. I mean, you know, you know those narratives that if you want to take a stand, fine, just do it on your own time. What is your, your message to those who would come back with that argument? I don't think there's a place really for that anymore, given where our world is, where this planet is. I think everybody has a right to take a role at however level they want to and their personality 
calls for and their influence commands. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we all evolve and emerge into however empowered of a person we are. I just, um, I think an athlete can integrate their passion and their empowerment and their influence and their energy in other places besides just their own little Bubble. Bubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, Chris. And, <laughs> and I, I hear that, and I, I think actually that is a, a real positive message to, you know, ask athletes to sort of open their eyes and see the greater world around them, as should we all. Um, but it does lead to the question of, you know, the how you make that uh, how you take that stand. I'm, I'm wondering, um, not whether it's necessarily possible, possible to take it too far, but I, I, I wonder if sometimes the way the message is being delivered can overshadow the message itself. I think that's some of what we have seen in recent years with, uh, the Colin Kaepernick, uh, controversy, the Megan Rapinoe, uh, right. controversies and so on, that the way the message was being delivered can sometimes overshadow the message itself. There is some danger in that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And you do make a great point. Um, I think there are extremists. I also think there's drama in any person. It mm-hmm. really is perhaps about their personality, about um, where their direction in life, their personal direction. Everybody has their own spectrum of what it is they're willing to do. And again, my message is not for athletes to be um, protesters or demonstrators. Right. It's more just um, do your thing, champion your life. Go for it. But please, in this point in the world's history, at this point in time, don't just do that. Yeah. And and I say that and, for athletes. I say that at schools. I say that for, for people. Everyone. I say that yeah. in children's books. Yeah, yeah, I'm writing children's books with the same message. Now, you were mentioning a little bit earlier, and, and you use this as kind of an example in the book as well. You talk about how whole athletes, uh, as you uh, call them, should travel more sustainably and align with climate response partners, reduce waste production, uh, choose conscientious brands, uh, in general, embracing their environmental responsibility. But what if that's not an athlete's passion? I mean, from what I, I hear you saying, part of this is finding what one's passion is and advocating for that. Yeah, I think um, my Underlying everything, um, and it is also involved with the word champion that I use, mm-hmm. um, it's doing your best. So for for, my, for me, from the ethos of the nonprofit that embraces um, the whole person, makes the whole world better, a whole athlete, a whole school, it's really um, to champion a better world champion yourself in the meantime because without being the best person we can be we're not really in a position to give more than we take and that's at the bottom of the message that's the whole message really that's the whole point the best that you can be and do your best 
And by the way, to be fair, you know, we bring up, uh, for example, Colin Kaepernick, Megan Rapinoe, who are a couple of uh, very uh, polarizing figures of the day presently. But we think of some of the individuals who have stood up in the past who have come to be viewed as icons and even revered for their influence, like Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Billie Jean King, all controversial athletes in their day that obviously we think very uh, differently about today. So, um, I mean, they, those are icons in no small part because of what they did off the field as well. Yes, and I really admire those people. Um, I think, well, I don't think, they're leaders. They're, They're conscious people. They connect other people, and they take action. They're, you know, again, not... Not everyone's going to be an outstanding leader like that, but they they show what it is to be a role model, and they connect people, and they show um, how it is what it, what are their beliefs, and they're they're inspirational. Yeah, and I think that's the point. Um, even if you're a little kid and you're in little league, or you're a big swimmer, or something like that, well. Let's learn to think about other people at the same time, not only your little sweet life. Yeah. It's full of energy and full of action. Let's take it a little further because our world needs it. Again, Barbara Edelson Peterson is author of the new book, A Whole Athlete Makes the Whole World Better. Barbara, do you have a, a website where folks can learn more about the book? Yeah, thank you so much. The website is wholechampion.org. Um, this is all to create positive change because the world really needs it. Amen to that. Barbara, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Okay. Have a wonderful day, everybody out there. You know, we often complain about a do-nothing Congress, but there's been a lot going on in Congress this month, the past several weeks, as a matter of fact. Not that they've necessarily done anything, but there's been a lot of activity uh, over the uh, past several weeks. Obviously, we had the uh, big stories that have been in the news, the uh, attempted impeachment, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, That all uh, goes back to the question of uh, security at the uh, southern border, the border security question. of course, there's the question of uh, of aid to places like Israel and Ukraine and Taiwan uh, fighting against China. And this, uh, with all of those things that have been very much in the headlines, this is something that has kind of flown under the radar, but I thought was worth bringing up. Um, Senator Sherrod Brown has been, and this is kind of related to you know, many of those things that we're talking about, particularly uh, relations with China and such. Senator Sherrod Brown has been uh, very busy in the past few weeks uh, advocating for stronger trade policies against China. First, he uh, advocated, uh, lobbied the Biden administration to crack down in the area of uh, Chinese solar panels, renewable energy, China, uh, solar panels coming coming out of China, 
uh, and undercutting uh, U.S. made solar panel panels, places like for solar here in Northwest Ohio, and also introducing legislation or pushing for legislation that would restrict Chinese ownership, uh, foreign ownership, particular China, particularly Chinese ownership of agricultural farmland. Yesterday, we got the chance to speak with a senator about those efforts. Late last month, you signed your name to a letter urging the Biden administration to take a tougher stance on the import of solar panels from China. Explain why this is such a critical issue. issue. Yeah, uh, frankly, presidents of both parties have failed when it comes to enforcing trade law. I've stood up to, I don't care what their political party is, I've stood up to presidents of both parties from parties from Clinton to Bush to Obama to Trump and to Biden. And uh, this industry is really important in Northwest Ohio. It's really important. Obviously, alternative energy, solar energy is very key to our future. Uh, Northwest Ohio is the largest solar manufacturer in America, and the Chinese in every way possible are trying to undercut our manufacturing, our solar manufacturing especially. Um, I will not back down no matter how long it takes. In reporting this story, the New York Times points out that despite tariffs, China's national government, the Chinese national government has subsidized their solar industry. Won't they just continue to do that? And if we uh, increase tariffs, won't they just uh, continue to escalate their subsidies? I mean, will ultimately this make a difference? Uh, absolutely will make a difference. When we have an aggressive trade policy, whether it's with Mexico or China or any country that China sends its products through, um, we, we can win on this. It's, I, I, it's why I warned the administration not to give Vietnam what's known as market economy status. I mean, it's, it's ultimately, whose side are you on? Do you stand with American workers? Uh, you know, whether it's in Finley or Toledo or Fremont or where I grew up in Mansfield, or do you you cave and to, to interest special interest groups and uh, we're not caving on this also of uh, particular interest uh, to the ag industry and again this uh, relates to some of what we're talking about on the same vein your bill that would fight the foreign ownership of u.s farmland particularly by china what does this bill do to protect our farm security, our ag security, our food security uh, that isn't already being done? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, both these questions may lead the same place. I'm not anti-Chinese. I'm pro-American, and I want to make sure that American workers are protected. I spoke to a a roundtable of probably 25 members of the Farm Bureau, one kind of from every region of the state last week. One of the things that comes up is we are seeing efforts uh, to buy farmland near military bases. And uh, I don't want the Chinese or any other foreign national, the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Russians, buying land near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, near the Toledo Base, near uh, Yars and Youngstown, near Mansfield, where I grew up, where there's a uh, there's a military uh, operation near Springfield. Um, and so it's it's particularly important there, but it's also... Uh, there was a story that, that we didn't know about until a journalist found out that a Chinese billionaire bought 200,000 acres of land in Oregon. So um, we don't know about it as a country because there's no real um, strict reporting requirements. So the first step is we need to know. So government's got to dig deep because many of these countries will um, try to, I mean, these buyers will try to hide who's actually buying 
And so it's important that, that we figure out who they are so we can decide what to do next. Um, it builds on a previous bill we did um, to restrict their purchases. Understanding farmers all believe pretty much they should be able to sell land to whom they want. I want them in these decisions locally, um, but I also don't want foreign interests that, that mean us ill uh, to have that kind of influence. And it's not just buying the land. It's also potentially disrupting the food supply uh, the food chain, buying buying more uh, parts of the of the uh, farm to market. Uh, I'm not paranoid about this. I just think it's really important that we pay attention to this. Again, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown with us this morning. Senator, thanks very much for taking some time. We appreciate it. Uh, of course. Thanks very much, Chris. Conversation yesterday with Senator Sherrod Brown on those uh stronger trade policies against china in the areas of uh, renewable energy and agriculture we have a link on our webpage uh, for more information at goodmornings.net of course uh, sherrod brown uh, locked in a heated re-election battle this coming november Well, the Super Bowl may be the highlight of the sports weekend coming up, but it begins with high school basketball. And with the postseason tournament approaching, the Trojans face a pair of tough opponents this weekend. Games both tonight and tomorrow. It's Whitmer tonight and Shelby tomorrow evening. On this week's Coach's Corner, our John Marshall spoke with Finley head coach Jim Rookie. A couple of big wins Friday. It was 55-38 win over Bowling Green in a cross-divisional meeting in the NLL. Luke Wyrow was instrumental in that one, as usual on the defensive side, but also went on the tear offensively. He scored a career-high 17 that night. Yeah, Luke's had some good scoring games over the last couple of years, and he's capable of making shots, and uh, he can get some things also off the off the defense, get a couple layups, uh, you know, he did that last night again to start the game. But, uh, um, yeah, he, he's, he's a mo- more than capable offensive player, but he's done a tremendous job on the defensive end. Back in action in a non-conference meeting at home with Elida. They were 12-4 and four coming into this one. Your guys started out a little slow. They got the shots, but not necessarily connecting. You led by two at the end of the first, four at the half, then stretched it out in the second half. A 62-30 win over the Bulldogs. Anytime you can hold to an opponent to 30 or fewer, you've got a good thing going on defense. Yeah, our, our defense has been really consistent. And, uh, you know, again, we did not shoot well in the first half, but, uh, you know, that, that could be a recipe for disaster. But our defense keeps us right there, and we were able to get, a, get enough buckets to, to, to keep the lead. And then in the second half, we were much, much more efficient offensively. And, and kept kept defending, kept rebounding, and uh, you know forced a few turnovers, get a couple easy baskets, and next thing you know, the lead uh, balloons into double digits. Friday, you've got a big game in conference play. You and Whitmer both 15 and one. You topped them 67-45 on their home floor just before Christmas. We ruined uh, you know what could have been a perfect season for them. I think they think. Uh, they have a really nice team. They've got some some talented players. Uh, guys have Division One offers, and they shoot the ball really well. They didn't shoot it that night very well. Uh, hopefully, a little bit of that was our defense. But the key was we rebounded the misses. Uh, they're going to make some threes. They shoot a lot of threes. We 
you know, we've made 70-some threes this year. They've made 150. So that's, uh, that's dangerous, uh, especially with the athleticism they have that they can get to the rim also. So, you know, hopefully our, our defense has, has hung our hat on that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to come out and try to do the same thing. And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll rebound their misses and we'll make some shots. You get back to it on Saturday, not even 24 hours later. Another highly ranked team. You face Division II, sixth-ranked Shelby at the Supreme Court in Ottawa. The Whippets are 15 and two, losing both games by just four points. Yeah, they, you know, they have a tremendous player. They have a kid averaging over 30 points a game. I'm sure he's going to Wright State. He had 53 in a game a couple weeks ago. Hit 12 threes, uh, six seven. Gets to the free throw line a lot. So uh, you know that that'll be that'll be a, a, a should be a, a a great test for us. But uh, all of our focus right now is on Friday. And uh, that is tonight against Whitmer. Trojans uh, take to the court uh, at home, hosting uh, Whitmer tonight. 6.45 will be airtime right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Then back at it tomorrow as part of the uh, Ottawa-Glendorf Winter Classic against Shelby. That is an earlier tip. 4.30 is airtime tomorrow afternoon here on WFIN as well. Other action from around the area on our family of stations. Uh, BBC action tonight over on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com. It is Pandora Gilboa at Macomb. And on 106.3 The Fox and 106.3TheFox.com, Ottawa Glandorf travels to Shawnee tonight. And then again, the Winter Classic tomorrow, they will take on Troy Christian. And both of those games will be on the Fox. You can follow all of the area action this weekend on the WFIN scoreboard page. Powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. That's at WFIN.com slash scoreboard. Or we've got the link up there at goodmornings.net. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, over the many years that we've been bringing you the broken news on a daily basis, we've had a number of uh, unusual thefts. Uh, What we have learned... Uh, from doing this segment is that people will steal just about anything. But this may be the first time that we've had this type of theft. It comes from uh, Central California, where thieves made off with 100 beehives. (laughs) From a farm in Central California, 100 beehives said to be valued at $34,000. So we're not kidding around here. Uh, Orange County commercial beekeeper Sean Crowley says thefts are actually commonplace and usually carried out by other beekeepers. We got like a lion uh, or uh, Tiger King thing going on here. <laughs> Competition. Between, that could be the next Netflix series. We got Tiger King. We got Beekeeper Kings. Um, no, usually it says by other beekeepers. Crowley adds that during the almond pollination season, 1.6 million beehives are brought to California's Central Valley, so the theft of 100 hives is actually a small-time heist, even though, again, they're valued at more than $34,000. 
He said the hives have a dual purpose. The bees pollinate almond trees for which the beekeeper collects fees. And then, of course, the bees also produce honey, which is then sold uh, at at the going uh, market price. So this is big stuff. If somebody comes up to you on the street offering to sell a beehive, (laughs) it may be hot. (laughs) Contact the authorities. Hey, want to buy a beehive? What is Uh, Our dumb criminal of the day goes to Saeed Amir Razavi. He is a taxi driver who doubled as a cocaine dealer in Calgary, Canada, who chose a unique, albeit unwise, method of drumming up business, handing out free samples of his product. A lot of companies hand out free si- uh, samples of their product, but when it's cocaine, it's probably not a good idea. According to news reports, police received a tip that a man was standing outside a local casino handing out business cards with small baggies of coke stapled to them. <laughs> the business card read Alex Lee Driver. He's a taxicab driver. Alex Lee Driver. Uh, on the uh, business card. Now, the name was an alias. However, the contact information was real. <laughs> and that's what allowed police to locate Mr. Razavi. They kept him under surveillance for a month before swooping in and arresting him on February 3rd. Inside his home, cops found a stash of cocaine, uh, baggies, a digital scale, drug residue, and more than $1,200 in cash. (laughs) He has been charged with multiple counts of trafficking in a controlled substance, one count of possession for the purpose of trafficking, and three counts of possession of the proceeds from a crime. (laughs) That's one of those you file under the category of sounded like a good idea at a time. Well, hand out free samples. And give people business cards with my contact information. Yeah, probably not the smartest move. (laughs) Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, a Florida man was arrested on Tuesday after he drove onto a closed beach in New Smyrna Beach and into the high tide. The beach is New Smyrna Beach is one of those where you can actually drive on the beach, but they close the beach, the the access points they close during high tide for obvious reasons. Jason Berskowitz allegedly drove around the closed gate to access the beach during high tide and drove his pickup right into the water. After he was arrested, Mr. Berskowitz apparently told police officers it was not his fault that the truck don't surf. It ain't my fault the truck don't surf. The vehicle was later towed. (laughs) Now this is, this is crazy. I don't know what to make of this. A man in Houston has pleaded guilty uh, to assaulting a pregnant woman Uh, As part of a plea deal agreement, he was sentenced to 180 days in prison. Mason Herring had, according to prosecutors, on seven occasions put a drug designed to induce a miscarriage into his pregnant wife's water glass. 
he spiked her drink with this miscarriage-inducing drug. His wife got ill at least once. Uh, She gave birth to a baby girl prematurely, um, but the baby is going to be just fine. That's the good news. The baby is going to be fine. Wife has recovered. Uh, Apparently, the couple has two other children. Uh, He has uh, been sentenced to 180 days in prison, and the story goes on to point, uh, point out that she has filed for divorce. Yeah, no, no surprise there. I think I would, too. That is just crazy. What would possess you to do that? She has filed for divorce. Yeah. And finally, in the broken news this morning, the odd and unusual items in the news. Again, we started with an unusual theft. Here's another very unusual theft. I don't know that I've ever heard of this. In what has to be a first... Thieves recently managed to steal a 200-foot radio tower belonging to WJLX-AM in Jasper, Alabama. They stole the radio station's broadcast tower. (laughs) 200 feet tall. The owner of the station, Brett Elmore, said, I've heard of thieves in this area stealing just about anything, but this one takes the cake. This morning, he said... My uh, maintenance crew went to the tower site to do a, a cleanup of the property. And when they arrived, they called to notify me that not only was my building vandalized, but my 200-foot tower was gone. They stole every piece of equipment outside the building, cut the guy wires to the tower, and somehow managed to take down a 200-foot tower and remove it from the property. You would think somebody would have noticed this. A 200-foot broadcast tower. Um, Mr. Elmore said he will work with investigators to find the individuals responsible for the crime, which is, by the way, a federal offense. Um, This is not just a local crime. This is a federal offense. And in the meantime, Mr. Elmore has launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to replace the tower. Again, what do you? What would you do? With, I'm guessing they sell it for for scrap, uh, the uh, uh, the metal in the tower. Uh, try and what melt it down or sell it for scrap? I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, it's just not something I would imagine there is a large black market for. You want to buy a broadcast tower? That's I mean, just can't uh, picture that, but. That is crazy. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Primary election day is March 19th, and WFIN is presenting a series of candidate forums so you can hear from the candidates you'll see on the ballot. Coming up on Monday, the candidates for county prosecutor, Sean Abbott and Heather Pendleton. The Candidate Forums, presented by the Hancock County Republican Party. Join us Monday at 5 p.m. live from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. So we know that Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and a new survey of 2,000 romance novel fans asked these fans of romance novels, these readers of romance novels, who would be the best book boyfriend? (laughs) 
<laughs> best, best book boyfriend. Um, and overwhelmingly, 33% of romance readers say that Noah from The Notebook would be the best book boyfriend. You're familiar with The Notebook. Even if you haven't read the book, you've seen the movie, right? So the uh, lead character, Noah from The Notebook, the best book boyfriend. What I th- So not a big surprise necessarily there. What I did find surprising is number two on the list of best book boyfriends, Christian Grey from the Fifty Shades series. <laughs> we all know what that was about, right? Really? Best boyfriend? Okay. And uh, third on the list, Edward Cullen from the Twilight series. <laughs> so those are the top three best book boyfriends. If, if you want to emulate... <laughs> Yeah, any of those uh, <clears throat> book boyfriends. Uh, the survey found the most popular romance novels are Romeo and Juliet, The Notebook, and the Fifty Shades series. 56% of respondents say romance books have made them more picky when choosing a partner. So pay attention here, guys. 49% of readers said a romance novel inspired them to make a move, like flirt with someone or confess their feelings Uh, for somebody that they felt strongly about. Of course, the Super Bowl is not the only big thing coming up on the calendar between now and next Friday. And as such, we have a special collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio Good morning. Hi there. Good so morning. So we've got the Super Bowl, obviously, coming up on Sunday. Yep. We have Mardi Gras coming up. <laughs> Fat, Tuesday Fat Tuesday is right around the corner. And then, of course, Valentine's Day <laughs> on Wednesday. And it's All, also Ash Wednesday. And which is also Ash Wednesday. Crazy. Um, but we don't have a recipe for Ash Wednesday. Oh, well, we've got Mardi Gras. Yeah, we got Mardi as Gras. As such, yeah, see, this is the thing. Uh, we've just... got three big events, yes. all three of which uh, tie in in some way to food, food. Uh, that'll all be happening between now and the next time we yeah. uh, have We're Kyrie here. in the next kitchen. Friday. <laughs> and so uh, we have a special collection of recipes that wraps all of them together yep. at the same time. So this should be fun. We'll start with uh, the Super Bowl, and this is a pepper pepper jelly cheese Cheese dip. dip. Yes. Okay. So two eight-ounce blocks of cream cheese softened, two cups of shredded cheddar cheese, two green onions sliced. If you don't have a green onion, if it's a regular onion, that's fine also. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eight Ritz crackers crushed, eight slices of cooked bacon chopped, and a half a cup of pepper jelly. Um... Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. In the pie dish, combine the cream cheese, the cheddar cheese, and the onion. Press the cheese mixture into the pie dish until it is smooth and even. Add your uh, crushed uh, crackers on top of the cheese mixture. Uh, Top 
Top the uh, Ritz crackers with some bacon and bake for 25 to 30 minutes. It's going to get kind of bubbly on the edges and stuff. Okay. Uh, just before the dish is done baking, place the pepper jelly in the microwave safe bowl. That's going to, and you're going to heat that just for like 30 seconds until it's kind of um, more of a liquid okay. um, sauce type okay so then it's easier to then spread onto your the top of your um yeah it's gonna harden back up right so Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be in that same right consistency it's just easier when you put it in the microwave it's it's an easier spread to spread it okay but then it'll thicken right back up so pour the melted pepper jelly on top and enjoy with crackers and or chips so a great little uh, finger food appetizer uh treat for uh Yes. The Super Bowl Sunday, yes. your Super really Bowl good. parties, pepper jelly yes. cheese dip. Yep. Now, uh, we move ahead to Fat Tuesday. We're going to yes. do these chronologically. Yes. Uh, Fat Tuesday, uh, Mardi Gras coming up uh, next week. Uh, of course, if you know anything at all about Mardi Gras, the big dish or the, mm-hmm. the you know one of the Dessert. big things is yep. uh, the king cake. King cake. Yep, and, and finding the baby. Yeah, there's a baby. There's mm-hmm. a little, not an actual baby. Right. There's a little like plastic. a baby, plastic baby doll yeah. that's baked into the cake. Yes. And traditionally, the person who gets the piece of the cake with the baby right. is like the winner or whoever right. has good luck or whatever. Yeah. I don't know the, the whole legend, but yeah. that, the king cake is the thing. Yes. So if you don't want to do a whole king cake, you can yes. do the easy king cake bites. Yes. So these are just little mini bites. One eight ounce package of cream cheese softened, one cup of powdered sugar, one teaspoon of lemon juice, two teaspoons of cinnamon, and two eight ounce cans of your refrigerated crescent rolls, dinner rolls. Uh, then your glaze is one cup powdered sugar, two tablespoons of milk. And then you'll want to, of course, have your yellow, green, and purple uh, sugar. Or sprinkles or yeah, something sprinkles, like that. Yeah, sugar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you want, so preheat your oven to 350 degrees, uh, beat your cream cheese and your powdered sugar and lemon juice. Um, until well blended, separate your dough into eight rectangles, uh, seal the seams, um, sprinkle each rectangle with approximately a quarter cup of cinnamon, spread your cream cheese mixture. You said a quarter cup. It says I'm sorry. quarter teaspoon. Quarter teaspoon. <laughs> sorry. a big difference My between bad. those. Yes. <laughs> Don't so, use a quarter cup. No, no. Quarter <laughs> teaspoon. Yes. Um, and then spread your cream cheese mixture down the middle of each of your rectangles. Then fold each of your rectangles um, into small bites. Um, and closing the filling, try and make sure all the filling is all sealed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring uh, your long edges over. Over to your cream cheese, cut each into four squares, then place the uh, seam side down on your baking sheet. So once you got it all sealed up, yeah, put it seam side down. That'll okay. help keep this stuff in. Uh, bake 13 to 15 minutes or until golden brown, cool slightly. And then for your glaze, mix together your powdered sugar and your milk. Spread that on top of each of your uh, king cake bites and then sprinkle with your uh, colored sugar. So there you go. Do your different colors. Now, sugars. again, you don't have the uh, little baby in the king no. cake bites. No. And probably not a good idea to... You know, hide that in yeah. one of those yeah. no. just because with no. the size of it, baking it, yeah. you know, a plastic yeah. I'd, I'd, item in I, there. I That's, wouldn't even hide yeah. a baby in a 
big cake. Get I'm big sorry. Cake. Some people do. So, <laughs> Some people yeah. do. Anyway, yep. but those are the I'm easy. I'm just afraid they are yummy. choke on it. Yeah, they are yummy, the uh, <laughs> easy are. king cake bites. Yes. And then for Valentine's Day, yes. we have a really sweet treat. Yes. These are strawberry Rice Krispie treats. Yes. So I love Rice Krispie treats. So. Who doesn't? I know. So <laughs> one and a half um, ounce freeze-dried strawberries, a third cup of butter, 12-ounce bag of mini marshmallows, five cups of uh, your Rice Krispies, and 10 ounces of chocolate. So lightly grease a 9 by 13 inch pan and add the freeze-dried strawberries to a food processor or high-powered blender and pulse until you ha- they're all crumb. They're, it's like nice crumbs. Mm-hmm. Um, add the butter to a very large uh, saucepan, melt over low heat, add your marshmallows and gently, gently stir with a rubber spatula. Let the marshmallows uh, melt completely with the butter. Uh, when the mel- marshmallows are done melted, add your freeze-dried strawberry crumbs. Uh, gently uh, stir that all together, and those are gonna they're gonna kind of dissolve. But you could have some chunks, and that's okay. Right. Um, it gives it good flavor. Now, once the marshmallows are completely melted, turn off the burner. Stir in the cereal. Um, a cup at a time. You want to make sure you got all that ooey gooey marshmallow. Mm-hmm. So a cup at a time. Not. Um, it's just makes it easier to get everything all mixed together. Uh, lightly grease your hands and gently press the mixture down into your pan. Uh, place the chocolate in a heat proof bowl. Microwave on high for about um, forty five seconds. Take it out. Stir it. And stir it for a while. Make sure um, you want to melt got that this, chocolate yeah, really good. But you don't if you don't have to put it back in the microwave um, because usually the heat of the of the chocolate yeah. it, it will continue continue to, to melt that chocolate. Right, right. So um, one forty five second interval should be good, um, and then just keep stirring until it's all smooth. Then pour the chocolate over the rice krispie treats mm. and completely cover. Mm. Let the bar set at room temperature and let that uh, chocolate harden, and then mm. enjoy. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That is good stuff right there. So the pepper jelly cheese dip. For your Super Bowl party, the easy king cake, king cake bites for Mardi Gras, yep. and the strawberry rice crispy treats for your Valentine. That, yes. that would be uh, very, very nice for your someone special this uh, Valentine's yes. Day. We have those uh, recipes all posted at the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, right? Yep. At Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Be sure you follow that for, uh, follow uh, Kyra's page for uh, all of those recipes. And we also have it linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up Monday morning on the program, which commercials scored a touchdown during the big game and which ones fumbled? We get a recap of this year's Spot Bowl survey, rating the winners and losers of the advertising battle. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.